This episode is sponsored by the Learn Jazz Standards Inner Circle. If your goal is to level up your jazz playing this year and feel confident improvising over jazz standards, the Inner Circle has everything you need and more. With monthly jazz standard studies, a library of powerful courses, and a vibrant community of like-minded musicians, you're guaranteed to improve your playing every single month. Podcast listeners can get 50% off their first month when you go to ljsinnercircle.com. That's ljsinnercircle.com or find the link in the show notes. Now, on to today's episode. A question I get quite often is, how do I memorize jazz standards so I don't forget them? Especially because it seems as if it's required of me to know a lot of them, like 10, 15, 20, 30, 50, maybe even more jazz standards. And you go out to a jam session, maybe you're a musician who's actually starting to gig around a little bit at your local uh, coffee shops and bars and all that stuff. And you need to know a lot of tunes. And it can be really frustrating, especially if you have learned a tune, only later when it's called on a jam session or a gig to forget it. So in this episode, I'm going to be digging into some strategies and some tips I can offer to help you memorize jazz standards better and really get the most out of them so that you're not forgetting them, so that you're able to put them to use on the bandstand. Let's do this thing. Welcome to the LJS Podcast, where you get weekly jazz tips, interviews, stories, and advice for becoming a better jazz musician. And now your host, he's a jazz musician, author, and entrepreneur, Brent Bartstra. Hey, what's up everybody? Brent here from LearnJazzStandards.com, which is a blog, a podcast, videos, and a membership all geared towards helping you become a better jazz musician. Today's topic is one that I get a lot of questions about. It is memorizing jazz standards so that I do not forget them. A common pain point among really anybody. And there are some things, though, that you can do ahead of time and during the process of learning a jazz standard that will help set you up for success. And if you do the things that I'm about to tell you to do, it's likely you're going to have far less of these occurrences of all of a sudden drawing a blank or maybe even getting lost in the middle of the tune because you don't know it as well as you thought you did. So excited to jump in today's episode. Uh, Now, I'm actually not going to be playing my instrument at all today, and that is because you actually don't really need to play your instrument really at all for some of the stuff that I'm going to be talking about today. Others of it, you will have to play your instrument, but it's more about the learning process in and of itself. So we'll dive into this, and it'll all become a little bit more clear in just a little bit. Before we do that, though, this episode is sponsored by my LGS Inner Circle membership. It's a membership that provides monthly jazz standard studies in our Jazz Standards Club. You get etudes, a tutorial video, chords analysis, exercises to help you identify notes to play, and a really awesome community of other musicians doing it along with you. You get access to all of our courses and premium practice programs so that you have real pathways towards jazz success, basics 101 courses to fill in the blanks, as well as our monthly jazz mastermind access, which is a live Q&A call with me every single month where I answer jazz questions and you know music-related questions. It's really a fun time where we get to get together and uh, do that. And just the community inside the inner circle among all the members 
is really vibrant, really awesome. There's over a thousand musicians in there who are playing all sorts of different instruments, guitar, piano, bass, trombone, trumpet, you name it. We even have a lap steel player at this very moment. So this is a very awesome community. So if you want to check that out, go to ljsinnercircle.com, see if it's the right fit for you. And we would love to have you as a member. So ljsinnercircle.com and let's get started. All right, let's jump into today's episode. Okay, so there's a couple different things to consider when memorizing jazz standards, and one of them kind of has to do with legwork you do up front outside of learning a jazz standard in and of itself, and one of them has to do with actually the process of learning a jazz standard, and I'm actually going to cover the latter first because it's one that I talk about a lot on this podcast, and for some, this could be review, this could be me preaching to the choir, but for others, this could be new or at least a refreshing reminder of how I believe it is best to learn a jazz standard. So the first thing when you're learning a jazz standard, in my opinion, is to learn the melody, uh, not the chords. I think the melody is the best first place to start because the chords bring on a different meaning when you learn the melody because the chords are just a chord progression, but the melody is what brings it context. So you're going to remember the chords, in my opinion, a bit better if you know the melody really well. And how do you learn a melody? Well, first of all, I highly, highly suggest you not learn it from sheet music. This is one of the first things I ask people when they tell me like, hey, I'm having issues memorizing this jazz standard. Uh, I keep getting lost. All that stuff. I ask them, did you learn the melody from a piece of sheet music? And too often I hear yes. The reason that's not helpful to learn from a piece of sheet music is because most of the time you're reading something and that's really, you're translating a language using a certain part of your brain that's essentially just decoding you know notes on a page to your instrument. And even if you do memorize it that way, I mean, so one thing is if you don't memorize it at all, that's bad, right? If you're just reading it, that's bad. You're not going to, that, that's not memorizing it, right? So, but if you do memorize it, I still think it cheapens the experience a bit from learning it by ear. So I always suggest learn, if you learn anything at all, learn the melody by ear. And if you've never learned anything by ear before, if you've, you know, been intimidated to learn anything by ear and there's people telling you learn everything by ear. Well, that's not realistic. But if there's one thing, learn the melody by ear. So Brent, how do I learn the melody by ear? Okay, so I have something called my list process for learning jazz standards. And this really especially applies to learning the melody. It's an acronym that stands for listen, internalize, sing, and transfer. And I also have a free guide that you can print out that it's kind of nice to have handy. It's called Learn Jazz Standards the Smart Way. If you want to download that, go to learnjazzstandardsthesmartway.com and I'll send that to your email address and uh, you can have that print out for you. It's going to be really handy. But let's go over it really quick. Uh, L stands for listen. So if you have a jazz standard, get onto a Spotify playlist or a YouTube playlist just on YouTube in general, listen to as many different recordings of that jazz standard as possible because you're really trying to get that melody stuck in your head, just like you know a, a pop song, a top 40s pop song, how you get those songs stuck in your head. You're trying to do the same thing with the melody of a jazz standard. So listen to as many different versions. I, I think Spotify is a great resource because you just type in the name of the, the jazz standard and all of a sudden like 
50 to 100 or so different options from different artists come up and you could just go through that and just listen to those all day long right uh and, and this can be more passive listening listening in the car listening while you're doing work around the house or whatever it may be right so just listen to as many many different recordings as possible so that's l listen the next one is uh internalize okay so at this point, we are doing what we call deep listening. And now we're going to take just one recording and really analyze it and dive deep into that one recording. So uh, if there is an original recording of the jazz standard you're learning, choose that one, right? Don't choose one that's been covered by somebody else. Like if it's a Duke Ellington tune, it'd be good to find the Duke Ellington band version of that tune, for example. So just pick that one and listen to it on repeat over and over and over again and I would recommend yes doing some passive listening you know in the car working around the house at the gym that's definitely okay but also spend some time where you're literally just sitting down in a chair and listening to that melody okay just doing that the idea is we're internalizing it we're really getting that melody into our subconscious right it's sinking deep inside of us so that, like I said, like a, top, a 40s pop song, it's getting stuck in our head, right? A top 40s pop song. Um, that's what we're doing in the internalized phase. It's just listening to one recording and, and listening to it a lot over and over and over again, passively and actively, so that we know that recording inside and out. All this happens without your instrument. So another reason why I'm not playing my instrument today, right? Because a lot of this stuff goes, it has to do not playing with your instrument at all. Okay, so the next step is sing. S stands for sing. Now, singing is essentially, you could whistle or hum it as well, but you're singing along with the recording so that you're able to actually sing that melody. So what singing does is it proves that you have internalized the melody. You're able to sing along with the recording. Another thing I'd recommend is after you're done able to sing along or hum along with the recording, then put on a backing track that you have. It could be an Abersalt, it could be Band in a Box or whatever, or go to our YouTube channel. We have like 200 of them. And just be able to sing along that melody over top of a backing track without you know the actual recording playing the melody for you. That's going to really help you improve to you yourself that you have internalized that melody. It's inside of you, right? Okay, so that's sing. And then T, it stands for transfer. Now, this is the time where you do pull out your instrument. So now you, you take what you've sung, like you know what it is, and you figure out what those notes are on your instrument, okay? You figure out what the notes are. Um, if it's like a bebop melody or something like that, there might be some notes that you're missing when you're singing it. So this is the time to get the recording out and make sure that you're matching up all the pitches. And ultimately, that's what you want to do is you want to have transferred it to your instrument and then you're able to actually play the melody perfectly along with the recording that you internalized so that you can mimic it and match it precisely, okay? And then, of course, you know, after this process is done, you know, repetition is key. You already did a lot of repetition with the listening, but with the transferring, you know, repetition is, is really powerful. So if you want to even further make sure that you've got this, you know, practice it in the original key a bunch of times, but then, you know, go ahead and take it into at least several other different keys. Trans transpose it, right? Almost you could add like a another T to the process if you really want to internalize it even further. Now, all 12 keys is great, but, you know, even just several other keys will really help. 
And that way you've just done this by sheer repetition so many different times and taking something into a different key gives it a different context, even though it's still the same musical information. Okay, so after you've gone through the whole list process for learning the melody by ear, you should have memorized it very well. And again, there's no sheet music involved in doing this. And you can take it slow. You can take it at your own pace. Some people are fast at it. Some people are slow at it. It's okay. The main point, though, is it's going to pay dividends for you down the road so that you don't forget the jazz standard later on. Okay, because the main thing here is we got to get this melody because the melody brings context to the chords. So if it's just chords that you're trying to memorize without a melody attached to it, it's a little bit more difficult. So start with the melody. Use the list process. Okay, so that's the first thing to do. Now, let's go back and talk about the stuff that has to kind of happen. And this is more on the chord level, like learning the chords by ear. This is the stuff that needs to happen you know, before you even learn the jazz standard, right? This is a process that really is going to help you when you're trying to learn chords. And that is simply understanding harmony, and especially understanding harmony as it pertains to Roman numeral analysis. You're going to get the full picture here in just a second. But what we first need to know is we first need to know what the major diatonic series is. Okay. Now, if you've never heard what the major diatonic series is, it's fairly simple. Uh, if you have a C major scale, C, D, E, F, G, A, B, right? C, D, E, F, G, A, B, that's seven notes there in the scale, seven scale tones. All we're going to do is we're going to harmonize seventh chords. Those are four note chords, root, third, fifth, and seventh. And those are the basic chords in jazz. We're going to harmonize those chords with each scale tone. Uh, if that's confusing to you, you know, your music theory is a little rough, uh, don't worry too much about that. The most important thing is that you memorize what the major diatonic series is. But in a nutshell, if you have the root, you stack a third on top, and then you stack a fifth, and you stack a seventh. So if I'm, you know, creating a C major seventh chord, starting on the first note of the C major scale, it's going to be C, E, G and B. Okay, that's a major seventh chord. And if you're looking and picturing a, a music staff, you're just, you know, stacking those notes on top of each other in thirds. Every other bar or wh whatever the note happens to be, every other space. And you go through that process throughout the major diatonic series. Now, what happens when you do that is you number each one of those scale tones. Okay, Roman numeral one, major. Roman numeral two, minor. Roman numeral three is minor. And like we have these as lowercase Roman numerals means minor and uppercase means either major or dominant. Roman numeral four is major. Roman numeral five is dominant. Roman numeral six is minor. And Roman numeral seven is an interesting one. It's a half diminished chord or a minor seven flat five chord. And the way we do that is it's, you know, a lowercase seven with a little kind of uh, circle with a dash on it. It's, you know, if you've never seen it before, don't worry about it. But what we do here is in the key of concert C anyways, our one chord is C major seven. Our two chord is D minor seven. Our three chord is E minor seven. Our four chord is F major seven. Our five chord is G seven. Our sixth chord is a minor seven, 
and our seven chord is B half diminished. Okay, so even if you don't understand the theory, just know that the one chord is major, the two chord is minor, the three chord is minor, the four chord is major, the five chord is a dominant seventh chord, the six chord is minor, and the seven chord is a half diminished. If you at least know that, if you memorize that, then all you need to know is what the scale tones are of the key you're in. So if we're in the key of C, it's C, D, E, F, G, A, B. So if I'm playing the seven chord in the key of concert C major, it's going to be a B half diminished chord or a B minor seven flat five chord. If you don't understand this, memorizing chord changes is going to be very difficult, especially for the method I'm about to explain to you here. Okay, so know that. The minor diatonic series is much more complicated and that's because the minor scale, there's three minor scales. So you have to harmonize a natural minor scale, a harmonic minor scale, and a melodic minor scale. And when you harmonize all three of those, you get different chord choices. However, there are common chords, there, there's certain chords that you would not use in some. Like for example, the five chord, if you harmonize a natural minor scale, is a minor chord. And never is a five chord a minor chord. That's just something you should always know. A five chord is always a dominant seventh chord. And usually that five chord is going to resolve to some kind of one chord. Okay, it's classic just tension and release. So you start to just come up with what are the most common of those. But the main one, and I do do have a whole entire podcast on this. I'll link it up in the show notes. And I have videos on this, and it's on my blog to help you with this. If you get my Zero to Improv book, um, we talk about this in there too. Or you get my Jazz Standards Playbooks ebooks, they're in there too. And by the way, if you're one of my Inner Circle members, you have access to all of those. Uh, but that's uh, an aside. It's complicated, but just know that the main thing you should know is that in a minor chord progression, a minor diatonic series, the two chord is always going to be a half diminished chord. The five chord is a dominant seventh chord. And the one chord is usually just a regular minor seventh chord. But you can change it to other ones, but just usually a regular minor seventh chord. So a minor, a two five one in the key of concert C minor would be D minor seven flat five, G seven, C minor seven. That's the basic one to know, okay? And then there's different variations of the chords, and I don't want to get too dug up on this in this episode because, again, like it's a huge topic. We could go over that for forever. But if you know the minor and major diatonic series and how they relate to Roman numerals, you're in good hands. And this comes before we learn a jazz standard. You know, not saying that you need to know this perfectly before you learn jazz standards, but if we're trying to memorize them, it's going to be very helpful to know. Now, what happens when we go to memorize the chords to a jazz standard? Now, obviously, I do recommend the best that you can to learn the chords by ear, but I understand this is a very tall order for a lot of people because it is just way more complicated to know chords by ear, and it really comes down to just being exposed to them so much that you can just hear what a minor two five one or a major two five one sounds like in your sleep, or a one six two five, or a one four, or 
going a 2-5-1 to the four chord. Things like this, you learn enough jazz standards, you play enough jazz standards, you just start to hear what the chord progressions are, and then it's really just the trickier chord uh, jazz standards that go to different keys that are completely non-diatonic that you have to spend some time to think about, okay? But the biggest tip here and the key here is that we're not going to... You know, however you learned it, whether you learned it from a piece of sheet music and then memorized the chords or you learned it by ear or a combination of the both. The key here is that we need to categorize the chords rather than memorize every single chord by itself. I mean, for example, I don't know any you know seasoned jazz musician that is actually thinking about every single chord as they play it, meaning they're not thinking... C minor 7, now I got to play an F7, now I got to play a B flat major 7, at least not consciously, okay? The way they're more thinking about it, and the way that I think about it more so, is twofold. One, in the analytical realm, I'm thinking to myself, a 2-5-1 in the key of B flat major, okay? Or a 2-5-1 in the key of G minor, okay? Uh, This is actually Autumn Leaves. So for example... I'm not going to go C minor 7, F7, B flat 7. I'm thinking 2, 5, 1 to B flat major. And actually, I'm thinking 2, 5, 1 of relative major. That's a theory term because the key of the tune is in G minor. And I know that the relative major is B flat major. If you don't know what that means, that's okay. But if you do know what that means, that's probably the best way to memorize autumn leaves. So it's a 2, 5, 1 to the relative major. Then we go to the four chord of the relative major. Then we do a 2-5-1 to the parent minor. And that's most of what Autumn Leaves is. There's a little bit of a different, uh, some different changes on the way out, but that's mostly what it is. So that's pretty simple. 2-5-1 to relative major, then the 4 of the relative major, then a 2-5-1 to the parent minor key. As long as I know that the parent minor key is G minor, right, then I can fill in the br- the blanks with my knowledge after that. Or even just going, okay, it's a 2-5-1 to B-flat major and a 2-5-1 to G minor. Even if I just know that, then that makes it super simple. I'm not thinking about every single chord because I know forwards and backwards what a 2-5-1 is in G minor and what a 2-5-1 is in B-flat major. So what you need to do, and this is the work that comes ahead of time, is you need to be able to play a 2-5-1 in all 12 keys, you know, without hesitation, you should be able to play it on your instrument, whether you're a horn player just arpeggiating or a chordal player playing the actual chords. You need to be able to play that in all 12 keys on your instrument and without your instrument. Like you could do this in the car. It's just, you know, quiz yourself. What's a minor two, five chord progression in the key of E flat minor? Well, it's F minor seven, flat five, B flat seven and E flat minor seven, right? And you can quiz yourself on these so that you both know it with your left brain and you're able to play on your instrument. And then, of course, you're getting this in your ear. That's the second part of all of this, too, is I'm actually able to get up onto a bandstand and maybe I sort of don't know the song as well. I played it a long time ago. As long as I know, like, the basic movements, like, I'm like, okay, Autumn Leaves, it's a 2-5-1 to B flat major and a 2-5-1 to G minor. But let's say I totally forgot about the four chord in between. Well, my ears are going to pick up on that four chord as I hear the piano player or the bass player play it or another instrumentalist play that chord. 
So my ears start latching onto that instead, right? So you can kind of start filling in the blanks by doing this. And again, how do you get these kinds of ears? Honestly, you just learn as many jazz standards as you possibly can. And you just start recognizing what these chord progressions sound like, okay? Okay, let's do a more complex jazz standard, though, because that one was kind of easy, and I just want to keep driving home how we do this. Let's do Have You Met Miss Jones. That's a pretty complicated jazz standard. So Have You Met Miss Jones. Uh, I know right away it's in the key of F major. That is the main key. It's in F major. All right. So the way I'm going to think about Have You Met Miss Jones after I've memorized it, as I'm going to go, well, it's a 1-6-2-5 to F major. But there's one difference. Instead of the 6, it's actually a sharp 1 diminished chord. So it's F major 7, F sharp diminished 7, G minor 7, C7. So 1-6-2-5, but we have a sharp 1 diminished 7th chord replacing the 6th chord. Okay, so that's not so hard. One six two five in F major with a sharp one diminished. Okay, mentally noted that we're doing that. Now it also goes to three six two five the second time we played around. So it's one six two five and then it's a three six two five. You know, just keeping in mind that sharp one diminished. That's the way I'm categorizing this. All right. Now the next way I'm categorizing this is having Miss Jones goes through a lot of different key centers. It's kind of a confusing tune. So I'm going to think about it this way. I'm going to think about it. We are playing this tune in the key of F major to start. Then we go to B flat major. Then we go to G flat major. Then we go to G to D major. Then back to G flat major. And then back to F. Okay. So I'm just thinking about those key centers. It goes F, B flat, G flat, and D. F. B flat, G flat, and D. F, B flat, G flat, and D. And then the next thing I just have to memorize is that connecting all of these different key centers are two, five, one chord progressions. So as long as I know that it's the one, six, two, five thing going on for F major, I just have to remember that for the B flat major, we get to it with a two, five. For the G flat major, we get to it with a two, five. For the D major, we get to it with a 2-5. Again, I already know what 2-5s are of all of these different chord progressions, so that's not a question. I don't need to think about which individual chord is a 2-5 of D, D major. Right? I just know that already because I've done the work ahead of time. Right? I'm categorizing this tune. I'm putting it into different buckets so that I can recall it later even if I haven't played it in a long time. And then letting my ear fill in the rest of the work there. Okay. Uh, let's do another tune here. Let's do the tune My Shining Hour. Okay. I need to first know that's in the key of concert E flat major. Okay. So that's the main thing I need to remember. It's key of concert E flat major. All right. So it goes one, six, two, five in E flat major. And then it goes to E flat major. Then it goes a two five one to the relative minor. Two five one to the relative minor. What's the relative minor? Again, this is something to memorize. Memorize what all the relative minors are to the relative majors. And the relative minor is C minor. 
How did I come up with that, by the way? Well, again, this goes back to the diatonic series. If you have a major key center, then that's E flat major, right? In this case, you go to the sixth chord and the sixth chord is the relative minor. Okay, that's a little trick. Or if you're in the relative minor, so C minor, go up a minor third from the C minor and that is your relative major. It's E flat major. So just know that in any key, what those are. That's work that goes ahead of time before this. It's going to be a tool that you have to help you memorize the standard and to do this work. So it's a 1625 in E flat major. Then it's a 251 to the relative minor. That's C minor. Okay. Then we're going to go to a 251 to E flat major. Okay. Now for the B section. It's a 2-5 to the 4 chord. Okay, so now I'm thinking the 4 chord for the B section. Okay, that is A-flat major. Now, again, I don't need to worry about what a 2-5-1 in A-flat major is because I already know what that is. It's B-flat minor 7, E-flat 7, and then A-flat major 7. Okay, now I know that I'm going to turn that A-flat major 7, the 4 chord, into a minor 4 chord and then play the five after that. So the minor four chord, it's going to be like a two five chord progression. So it's going to be like a flat minor seven to D flat seven. All right. But it doesn't resolve. It goes three, six, two, five, one back to the E flat major seven. Okay. So that's the main things I need to know. So to summarize that one, six, two, five, one E flat major two, five, one to the relative minor another 2-5 back to the to the parent major, then a 2-5-1 of 4, then make the 4 minor, play the 5 chord next to it as if it's a 2-5 chord progression, then 3-6-2-5-1 back to the E-flat major. Okay, then the last A section is essentially just a 1-6-2-5 as well, just played out a little bit differently. And that's going to be easier for me to figure out because I already learned the melody using the list process. I know the melody really well. So fitting in the chords is going to be a lot easier because I have it in my ear. All right. So to summarize all the things you should do to help you memorize a tune better so that you don't forget it. First, learn the melody and learn it with the list process. It's going to be super, super helpful. And again, learn jazz standards, the smartway.com. If you've never downloaded that, just to have that as a little printout for you would be really helpful just to put on your desk or wherever you practice. Okay. So start there. Super helpful. Then you're going to have understood what the major and the minor, minor diatonic series is so that you know what those chords are in those series. Then you're going to work on common chord progressions like a 2-5-1 and be able to play them in all 12 keys, both in your brain and also on your instrument, okay? Now you know what all those are. Then when you actually do memorize a jazz standard, you learn those chords, however you learn them, you're going to start categorizing instead of naming every single chord, okay? 2-5-1 of 4, 2-5-1 of the relative minor, Uh going to the the, the major and, and when you get even more advanced at this you don't even have to say two five one you just go what's the key centers e flat then it goes to the four chord relative minor you just that's what you have in your head and then your ear just fills in the rest that's how all the great jazz musicians are doing it they're not thinking each chord individually they're they're not doing that it's not efficient 
and it's it would be very difficult to memorize you know 50 jazz standards and you are thinking about every single chord you have to break it into categories so that it just kind of is bubbling out of your subconscious all right so that seems like a lot of work to do if you haven't done any of that work before, but all you need to do is take one baby step. Maybe for you today, it's, I just need to learn what the, the, the major diatonic series of seventh chords is and just get that down. Maybe for you, it's like, well, actually, technically I can't play a two, five, one in all 12 keys, or I can't name what those chords are. That's your homework for this week, right? Maybe for you, it's like, well, I've never really thought about jazz standards categorically before. Let me try doing that with the jazz standard I know already and see how that helps. So just take a baby step and one thing that you can do here and then move from there and you're going to be well on your way to better memorizing jazz standards so you're, you're less likely to forget them in the long run. All right, that's all for today's show. Thank you for listening and thanks for tuning in. Hope that some of this stuff helps you, even if it's just one thing or two things or three things. But the most important thing always is to take action. You could listen to every single episode of this podcast, but if you don't actually take action, then it's probably not going to help that much. And like I said at the very beginning of this uh, episode, one way to help you take action on all this kind of stuff is by becoming an LGS Inner Circle member. Like I said, LGS Inner Circle membership, like we do a lot of really cool stuff. We work on learning new jazz standards every single month. We are doing work in the courses, you know, all this stuff. We use these processes and we work on the stuff every single week. And it's really, really helpful. So LJSInnerCircle.com is where you can sign up and become a member. Hey, just want to read uh, a very cool little uh, review we got on Apple Podcasts the other day for this podcast. That's great advice and info. Uh, started listening to episode one back in late August, listening on the commute every couple of days, inspired to improve by the pandemic. It took nearly six months, but I'm finally caught up. I consider myself an advanced player in rock and metal, but when it comes to jazz and improv in general, I'm out of my element. I felt like I was behind my peers in college, knowing how to read okay as a guitarist, but not having that extra edge. I finally feel like I know what I've been missing all these years and have much more structure to my practicing than I ever have. I can relate to Brent's story since it's very much mirrors my own and he's a nice person to listen to for advice and for long periods of time. I can't wait until the next episode. Well, that is absolutely flabbergasting me that you listened to every single episode of the podcast in the last six months, but I do appreciate you listening and thank you so much for leaving uh, rating and review. I'm so glad the podcast has been helpful. And if you'd like to leave a rating and review for the podcast, go to Apple Podcasts, leave a rating and review, a five-star rating and review if you would. And anywhere else you listen to podcasts, it is helpful. We do like them. That does help people know that this is a podcast worth listening to. So I haven't asked for that in a while, but if you just want a free way to give back to the podcast, that's a great way to do it. All right, we're going to be coming out with another episode next week. Hope you have a good rest of your week. Happy practicing and cheers. Thanks for listening to the LJS Podcast, brought to you by LearnJazzStandards.com. Subscribe to the series on iTunes, and don't forget to join our jazz community at LearnJazzStandards.com forward slash newsletter. Hey. 
Hey, podcast listener, would you like to ask me a jazz question and get it answered here on the show? Then go to learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask. That's learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask. I look forward to hearing your question and answering it on a future podcast episode. Learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask or find the link in today's show notes.